Greetings, travelers. Welcome back to Tales from the Enchanted Forest with your animal companions, Fox and Sparrow. Hola! <laughs> it's been a while since we've done a regular episode, so thank you for joining us today. Those of you who follow us on Twitter will know that we've covered the Selkie a couple times, but today we are going to finally tell the story as an episode. Mm -hmm. And this is not the first time we've covered an underwater creature either. If you go back to one of our earlier episodes, we have already covered the Little Mermaid. But we're going to cover a bit of a different mermaid today. While some mermaids want to be part of our world, they want to know what the people know and feel the warmth of the sun. And others simply want to stay under the sea. But sometimes humans will interfere with their wishes. So gather around, travelers, as we explore one such tale. This is the story of the mermaid wife. This story takes place on one of the northernmost islands of the Shetland Isles. Now, on one fateful day, one local man was walking along a sandy creek when he saw a number of mermen and mermaids dancing in the moonlight. Now, how did he know that they were merpeople and not normal people? Because he saw several seal skins strewn about nearby. See, I wouldn't have guessed that they were merpeople based on this alone. What about you, Fox? Nope, I would have just thought that they were some indigenous tribe or something just having a good time, you know? Or people just like kind of maybe drinking too much and they've thrown all their items about and just chaos ensuing. I don't know. This was not, this would not be my first guess. No, and specifically because a lot of indigenous people who live in the northern areas of the world do use seal skins and furs as clothing items. So my first guess wouldn't have been that, but you never know. Always on the superstitious hunt for the supernatural. Again, merpeople generally in the water. So seeing them on land is not necessarily a giveaway. But maybe this guy just knows things that I don't. The moment the man approached, the dancing merpeople fled to grab their sealskin garbs. One by one, the merfolk donned their sealskins and transformed into seals and returned to the sea. However... The Shetlander's keen eye noticed one near his foot, and he snatched it up. He quickly went home and hid the garb from the world. So, to recap, he has intentionally hid what is essentially a magic item from its owner without at least inspecting it, knowing full well that some poor innocent soul would not be able to transform back into a seal and return home. And what does he do next? He goes to sleep. Stealing is hard work, I suppose. But also, he doesn't know who that belongs to, so it could have belonged to a man who would have, you know, right? found him and probably knocked him out or something to get it back. I feel like that would be a more interesting story than this. <laughs> well, I quite, I like the story of the mermaid wife because it doesn't end with, you know, no, not to spoil anyone, but it doesn't end with, you know, her being like, I guess I love you forever now and I'll live on land with you forever, even though you've manipulated me and stolen my stuff. Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. So I quite like that aspect of the story. I don't like the idea of a Shetlander just, you know, or like any kind of Islander just taking someone's magical item to keep them trapped. Mm -hmm. uh, it gives very big Beauty and the Beast, but worse kind of vibes, if you get what I mean. You see, I would try and wear the seal skin garb and try yeah, and transform <laughs> into a seal. I'd be like, <laughs> I want to be a magic creature as well. So I think this is where we're a bit different than <laughs> this guy. Yeah, clearly. You know what? You're on an island. There's a limited amount of women you can marry that you're not related to. So maybe he's just desperate. And this is his way of acting out. 
inappropriately, I might add. If it was a guy, do you think he would have just handed it back? I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I... I don't really know what the attitude is towards the Selkies because most of the stories I've read are either about them kidnapping the women or accidentally killing a seal while hunting. But I haven't really seen anything about someone maliciously going after the Selkie just to kill them, just for the sake of killing them. Specifically, if you are in the line of thought that a lot of people had at the time, which was that Selkie were actually the lost souls reincarnated of people who had died at sea. So, I mean, the chance of killing your own, you know, father who died like 10 years ago or something would would have been high. But in that same instance, if it's souls reincarnated, like, it could be his, like, dead mother that he's trying to seduce right now or something. And that's just weird. <laughs> yes, I think it's we're better off just not thinking too hard about that. <laughs> or would the fun be in that if we don't overthink <laughs> things? We're like, is this incest? What are the chances? Like, what's the math here? What are the chances that out of, let's say, a population of a thousand seals that live around your island, one of them is the reincarnation of your mom who died at sea 10 years ago? Yep. These are the important questions we ask here in the Enchanted Forest. <laughs> this is like very Oedipus Rex. Oedipus Rex, actually. Sorry, I said Oedipus. It's very Oedipus Rex. Yes, um, definitely. Definitely would have been able to call you out in that. I did not at all just glaze over at that point going yeah she's probably right (laughs) well i'm not like a native english speaker so when i first read achilles i kept saying achilles because i was like i have no idea what this (laughs) word is it wasn't until we actually talked about it in school that i was like oh this is how you know like a lot of people who read who learn words through books and you come across a word you don't know you just kind of make up the pronunciation in your head and then one day someone says it out loud and you're like, well, I can't ever use that word again. Like Hermione and like how everyone was arguing until she wrote it in the actual book, how to pronounce it. Yeah. Okay. So does he find his dead mother? Does he find a wife? Does he find a nice sulky man? What happens? After sleeping off, you know, like I said, thieving is hard. So he needed a nice, good sleep. Next morning, he awoke to find a beautiful and vexed damsel who demanded the return of her property so he won the lottery here it is a beautiful woman but she is not happy as one wouldn't be right (laughs) oh thank you so much for stealing my stuff like who says that turns out the garb he stole was hers and without it she has become exiled from the sea including her marine friends the man was barely listening as he had immediately fallen in love with her and her beauty. So he counter-offered with no, but since she is now stuck on land because, you know, he stole the garb and is not giving it back to her, she could stay with him and she could be his wife. Such a good deal. Yay. He must have been a somewhat good-looking man as she confesses that she could have done a lot worse and agrees to this insane offer. So with that, many years go by and the couple have several children. The man loved his mermaid wife. Oh wait, that's the title of the story. Dang. I get it now. Anyways, the man loved her greatly, but she would only give him a cold shoulder. Funny, it's almost like Forcing people to be with you doesn't mean they will appreciate it. Yeah, I feel like this is where I'm kind of like, okay, so you've married her, she's given you kids, 
And to be fair to the couple, in some stories, they do have kind of a happy life together. But at the first chance she gets, you know, she runs away. So it's not really like this is an option for her. This is just better than, you know, being homeless or being killed or starving on the beaches. So, you know, I kind of understand that she may do with what she had to because at the time, you know, a lot of these stories and folklore specifically, they do mirror the roles that people had at the time. So even if you're a supernatural creature, you still fall into the two categories of a beautiful maiden or some kind of seductress. So here she's the beautiful maiden and she doesn't really have a lot of power over herself, over her life. And this is just one of those ways that we show it that, you know, she can't really control what she does. She has to go along with what he wants. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of like, oh, my God, we're so happy. My wife is so hot. We have so many cool children. The life is great. And meanwhile, she's there like, yeah, I don't really like you. And probably that resentment is building. So maybe even like also we don't really know how long Selkie's lived. So this might be like a drop in the ocean for her. She's like, okay, cool. I can spend a couple years with him until he gives me my, you know, my Selkie skin or until he dies of old age. And then I can just leave because that's always the thing. Yeah, again, we don't know their length, so that would make sense as a viable option for her. The thing I really want to know about is, like, what did the neighbors think? This guy mm-hmm. suddenly was like, yeah, I got this wife. Like, does he tell them that she's, like, a Selkie, or does it, like, joke, like, where the she introduces herself? She's like, yeah, he won't give me my stuff back. I'm trapped. Please help. Ha, 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 ha. And they're like, oh, where'd you get her? Oh, from the, she walked out of the ocean. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and everyone's just, like, laughing awkwardly, but then they're both kind of looking at each other like, ha, 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 ha. Please let me go. What's happening? Yes. (laughs) Help me. Like, this is funny, but not really, because I'm essentially, you know, a prisoner. Definitely rumors would have to start swirling about that this guy used to be alone, suddenly has a wife out of nowhere. Well, actually, now thinking about it, I don't think it'd be that big of a deal, mostly because if he's an islander, it probably wouldn't be besides the norm for them to go off while they're fishing or on a trip or hunting trip or a trading trip to find a woman from another island or from the mainland or somewhere that they bring back. So I think it might not have been that big of a deal. The fact that, you know, one day she randomly appeared might have been a big deal, but he could easily probably like talk that away. The biggest indicator would be if their kids had like webbed feet or something, because then people would be like, hmm, Mm -hmm. interesting. And they do say like, Children of Selkies and human definitely had webbed feet, but it's not really mentioned in the story uh, Mm -hmm. per se. Yeah. So, you know, maybe the children were just kind of hidden or maybe they learned to keep it cool or something. I don't know. But either way, the wife would often go alone to a sandy shore and would signal for a great seal to appear. They would talk at length in an unknown tongue. A few more years passed before one of the children found something peculiar while playing. The boy pulled it out from under a stack of corn and it appeared to be a seal skin. Delighted with the find, he ran to his mother to show her what he had found. And I'm sorry, he hid it under a stack of corn? How did it take you this long to find it? How could the wife not find it? It's under a stack of just corn. I'd have to believe that he moved it around like because corn is obviously harvested every year. It's not like it's infinite, like if he put it under firewood or something. So I have to believe and hope that he's been moving it around. But also, 
it's kind of sad if he is moving it around and he hasn't just forgotten about it because if he at least forgot about it, he could convince himself that she's happy and it's fine. But if he's actively moving it around every year, then he must know that she doesn't actually really love him. Yeah. Because otherwise, why hide it from her at this point? But either way, I need to believe that she's looked all over the house, hasn't been able to find it because he's moving it around. Okay, it, so the moving around part, like you said, it's sleazy, but I, I get it. But why on earth would you hide it at where the food is? Isn't she the wife? Isn't she going to do the cooking? Isn't she going to go get the food? Like, don't hide it there. Hide it somewhere she doesn't actually go to or at all. Maybe it's the stack that's for the market or something. I mean, I would like to make up my own little like headcanon here and say that he told her that he's destroyed it. So she stopped mm. looking for it because that would make sense as to why he could just kind of willy-nilly put it wherever. And she's come to the point where she's looked everywhere and she's kind of like, okay, he's probably destroyed it at this point. There's no point trying to look for it because, I mean, if you're going to keep someone prisoner, I feel like prisoner 101, you destroy the thing that could make them leave you. Not to be on his side because I think holding people prisoner is wrong. But yes. I feel like if he's going to already keep her captive and keep her hostage why hide it randomly unless he actually believed that one day he's going to present it to her and she's going to say oh no i don't actually need it anymore i don't i don't want it i want to live with you forever that's the most likely theory mm -hmm. i was going with the theory that magic items are just hard to destroy uh but I, that's really just dnd rules at this point that's what i'm <laughs> playing at so i love that <laughs> Let's just go with that, that he had hoped that one day she would just choose him and, mm -hmm. or maybe she even indicated, like, if it was destroyed, she would know and she would just, like, leave anyways. Well, I don't know. It does kind of, like, this mentality of, like, run away with me, give up your entire life and just, you know, be with me because you love me or whatever. I think House of the Dragon did it quite well when um, Rhaenyra says no to lord crispy where she says i'm calling him crispy because i don't crispy. like him but where she when he's like oh we should run away and we could be like nameless across the sea and we could be just two people and she's like i don't want to be just two people i'm a queen like no <laughs> so it's this idea that guys have of like girls will be willing to sacrifice everything for them like in stories and we do see that to be fair we do see this in folklore quite a lot where or even fairy tales where the girl will give up her entire life just to be with her one true love and that's kind of the journey she goes on is to free her love from something or convince her lover that she's true to him whatever it is they're willing to sacrifice quite a lot just to be with their lover and so it's, it's always refreshing to see someone be like actually um i like you but not <laughs> enough to give up everything so goodbye yeah right because I mean, I could see some relationships where people give up everything to be with the others, but like, there's so definitely some relationships you're like, I don't, I'm not ready to go that far. I'm good, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but even even like the ones, it's almost always the girl who has to give up something, right? Like, I hardly ever see the dude giving up his crown to be with her. It's almost always like the princess has to give up being a princess, or she's kidnapped, or something happens to her, and she's the one who's like part of the like the bad end of the transactional deal where she has to give up more than the guy has to give up. Mm -hmm. And then of course he has to rescue her at some point as well. So we have that element of, I'm going to save you now. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, all right, not saying throw the, the frog prince against a wall, but 
you know, maybe don't just entertain the idea right off the bat. Well, going back to the Selkie, <laughs> the little child is so delighted with his find that he went to his mother to show her what he found. She wept tears of joy upon seeing her seal skin once more. She embraced her child, thanking him and silently apologizing as she knew she was about to leave him. Taking the sealskin and abandoning all her children, she ran to the shore. When the Shetlander had heard what had happened, he chased after her, but he was too late. When he made it to the shore, he saw her finish her transformation and dive into the sea beside the same great seal she would always talk to. She looked back upon the wretched man and felt pity as he watched on despairingly. She shouted to him, Farewell, and may all good attend you. I loved you very well when I resided upon earth, but I always loved my first husband much better. Ooh, dumped for a seal. Ooh, dumped for her first husband, the one she chose freely, was not, you know. That must have been torture for both of them, for both her and her first husband, just to have, like, your wife stuck in this sham marriage. And have kids with mm-hmm. this other guy who's keeping her prisoner and you can't do anything about it because you're a seal. And the, the other thing I find interesting is that she says that she has been exiled. So I wonder if like just by her losing it, like she was not really supposed to be talking to any of the, the marine creatures as well. I wonder if that was also like, you know, a thing where he's seeing her and he's maybe getting in trouble with like the people because they're like, you can't talk to her. She's not one of us anymore. So according to Selkie superstition, the number seven tends to come up a lot. So some people will argue that Selkies can only transform into humans once every seven years, Mm. which explains why her husband hasn't, you know, turned into a man and come after her or why she can't just, you know, disappear. So the fact that she's exiled is when she couldn't transform back into a seal during that like one day she had of the seven years. It just means that she has to stay human for those seven years, regardless of if she has her seal skin or not. Um, cause, and that would explain why she's exiled, why she can't go back into the sea. Um, and then, you know, obviously that would make sense if, you know, her first child was six or something and they have like four kids. The timelines would still make sense. But in general, um, it's kind of like the swan maiden motif in that case where motif, not motif. Um, sorry, it's like kind of like the Swan Maiden where there's a set time when she can transform and a set time when she can't. And the same seems to be for, you know, the Selkie wife. And then even the story of the Little Mermaid, if you remember when we talked about it, all of the Little Mermaid princesses had a chance to go up to be a human for a year or a couple months, whatever it was. But they also had the choice to go up and experience it, but the assumption was they'd come back. So it seems to be one of those transformation things where... There are set rules that aren't clearly explained because they're supposed to be well-known. And then over time, as the story keeps getting told and it's a migratory folktale, so as it travels and as it changes, some of the original knowledge might be lost, but people still use the same vocabulary to describe things. Um, So I'm going to assume that it came from that, from the idea that she couldn't go back even if she really wanted to. So she had to kind of wait him out. Dang. Well... She waited out and she played her cards right and she was able to get out in the end. Uh, but that's got to be weird. Yeah, and I think, you know, her saying, I loved you very well when I resided upon Earth is kind of a good closing as well because it shows that she wasn't completely miserable and 
you know, being abused in horrific, like, ways. So at least it shows that, you know, whatever love they had was there. And she liked him well enough. She just didn't truly love, love him enough to stay and sacrifice everything for him. I mean, it is hard when you're kind of being held by force where you are still. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that does not sound too romantic. Uh, <laughs> What do you mean? Stockholm Syndrome is so in right now. Come on. <laughs> Maybe it is in. You're right, Fox. I believe you. Anything you say is true. <laughs> Speaking of holding people prisoner, we don't want to hold our dear travelers prisoner for any longer because obviously they're here because they love us. So let's go into our five fantastic finds. Number one. The story of the Selkie wife is often placed under the Swan Maiden theme, but where did they come from? Professor Donna Heedle's article in the Bottle Imps issue on Scottish creatures does a good job highlighting the key elements of where Selkies appeared from and their connection with the supernatural. Some argue that Selkies originate from explorers mistaking indigenous peoples who wore sealskins as seal people. Supernatural theories give Selkies a more tragic backstory, with the seal creatures being lost souls or reincarnations of those who were lost at sea. Duncan Williamson argues that Selkies are part of an otherworld myth used to comfort people who lost loved ones at sea. Like all folktales, over time the story became Christianized, with some sources suggesting that Selkies were fallen angels who fell into the sea, as opposed to fairies or fey folk who were fallen angels that fell on land. However, there are some suggestions that Selkie myths were created to explain birth defects in children, as most birth defects were usually explained with superstitions or folklore. Children born with webbed feet or toes were said to be half-selkie children. Overall, it seems like despite their origins, the stories were well-received and well-circulated. Number two. While there are a lot of tales of mysterious selkie creatures, the reality is that these stories were inspired by more familiar animals in the area. Likely, the stories stem from glimpses of harbor or gray seals swimming in the water around Scotland. And while seals can't transform into humans, that doesn't mean they are any less interesting. For starters, scientists have dated the earliest fossils of modern seals back to about 28 to 30 million years ago. In contrast, the oldest human fossil we can date back today is 233,000 years old. That means they have been around far longer than we have and have been evolving over that time as well. In fact, their ancestry and genetics place them in the Caniformia family along with bears, wolves, and raccoons. That's right, there is a reason seals have dog-like snouts, and that's because they are more closely related to our canine friends than you would think. And sometimes, seals are straight-up troublemakers. In the year 2000, there was a two-ton elephant seal that caused all sorts of mayhem in Gisborne, New Zealand. The seal, nicknamed Homer after the character from the Simpsons television series, came into town knocking over cars, boat trailers, and anything else it could use as a scratching post. Eventually, the town would put up barriers surrounding the boat ramp he would regularly sleep on to contain him. But after evading this barrier, he continued to knock out a restaurant's power by rubbing up against a power box which knocked over a pole. The point is that regular seals have a lot of interesting history and can be quite characters even if they don't have the supernatural ability to be human. Number 3. Our story of the Selkie takes place in Scotland. But the Selkie story is not just prominent there, but all over Scandinavia, Greenland, Iceland, and northern Canada. The Inuit have a story about Kivik, and I'm sorry I'm pronouncing that wrong, that Dr. Andreas Hoffman, artistic director of the Arctic Culture Lab, has been tracking with other historian storytellers and experts. 
The story differs depending on the version, but the general gist is that there is a young boy who is abused and bullied. His grandmother urges him to wear a seal skin and practice holding his breath. Some accounts say that he even fully transforms into a seal. One day, while dressed as a seal, he lures the bullies, including Kivuk, into the water where he calls upon a storm and drowns them all, except for the title character. Kivuk survives and swims to an island where it is said he still lives as the eternal wanderer. Other stories tell of selkie wives that are tricked into staying on land, but when they eventually find their skin, they disappear either with or without their children. Another great tale from the Orkney Islands tells of a fisherman who injured a great seal and is taken by the seal's people underwater to cure him, since the only way to close his wound was the knife that caused the infliction. Overall, these stories are often labeled as migratory stories, folktales that travel with the people, especially seafaring ones that intermingle due to trade, settlement, or marriage. Another explanation for the way the story travels is the importance of seals in certain northern cultures. Seals not only provide meat, but historically they have been used for fuel, clothing, and other items important to the indigenous communities of places like Canada. The connection between seals in some stories is the same as other key animals in their respective folktales and folktale traditions, such as foxes, spiders, and jackals. Number four. Today's tale was called The Mermaid Wife, but based on the description, the mermaid sounds a lot more like a selkie. But that begs the question, what is the difference between a mermaid and a selkie? Well, for starters, selkie or seal folk originate from the Celtic and Norse folklore and mythology, which makes sense given how many seals live in these northern waters. They have seal skins that they wear to transform into a seal and take them off to be human. Whereas mermaids were creatures that have an upper half of a human and a lower half of a fish's tail. And stories of mermaids come from all over. In Europe, Asia, and Africa, the idea of a half-human, half-fish seems to be a common idea across many cultures. Of course, the most well-known mermaid story is The Little Mermaid, which we have covered in an earlier episode, so be sure to check that out. The term merfolk is generally used when regarding to a group of mermaids and mermen, but it can sometimes be used more loosely to refer to any sort of fish humanoid. With that said, I think we can safely say that the story is about a selkie, But because a mermaid is a more universal mythological creature, the term mermaid was probably used to give a wider audience an idea of what the story would be like. Number five. We've talked about Selkie woman and the Selkie bride story, but what about the men? Selkie men seem to get off a little bit better than Selkie women when they aren't being murdered or losing their wives to humans. In fact, Selkie men are portrayed in a less sympathetic light than their female counterparts. While Selkie females are often portrayed as being tricked into staying with men, Selkie men are thought to have seductive powers over human women. If a human woman wanted to seek out a selkie, she would have to shed seven tears into the high tide. As an offside, the number seven is seen repeatedly in these stories, with some saying selkies only transform once every seven years. In the 19th century, Walter Trail Dennison wrote that selkie men often made havoc among thoughtless girls and sometimes intruded into the sanctity of married life. Basically, if your wife got bored of waiting for you to return from the sea, then she would conveniently be seduced by a selkie male. In some cases, the selkie male will take his human lover into the sea with him, while others will take their half-human children from the wife. If you want to hear more from us and find out what our next tale will be, come join us anytime on Twitter at Tales from the Enchanted Forest, or if you are old school like me, you can email us at talesfromtheenchantedforest at gmail.com. This story actually began as a tweet that we did for one of our many themed hashtags we partake in throughout the week, so be sure to pop by our Twitter account. And in the meantime, remember, there's always a place for you in the Enchanted Forest. Thank you.